Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. So hello, and welcome to Studio Stories. You might notice that that was not, I am not Matthew. This is a special day because we are turning the tables and interviewing Matthew Jenjeski, who is normally the host of the podcast. This is Megan Meyer, and I'm excited to be invited to be the special guest to lead this interview process of interviewing Matthew. Um, Matthew told me that once he reached the seventh season of Studio Stories, that he promised that he would himself be interviewed. So I'm really honored to get to do that today. Um, I'm a choreographer and also a dance artist who works with video and photography. And I've had the good fortune of knowing Matthew for about 30 years, if I can believe that. And Matthew Janjeski, as you may know, is the founder and artistic director of Arena Dances. In addition to that, he's also a choreographer, performer, teacher, producer, and community organizer. Welcome, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I do have to say this is, is weird for me, but I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> I'm sure I'm it is. <laughs> really happy um, that you you accepted the offer. Um, I just felt it would make the most sense uh, with our long history and and just the way that you get me talking, I think. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, so thank you so much. I'm really it was really exciting to be asked. And um, we're both kind of in the same boat because I don't think I've ever officially interviewed anyone. So so we're both doing something new and slightly uncomfortable today. So that's <laughs> that's good. Good for both of us. Right. Especially after yeah. a crazy tornado watch last night um, where the weather was really wild. So I'm glad this was still able to work out. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, um, I thought about what I wanted to ask you today, and there's a whole bunch of things, but I think how I would love to start is I know that literally just a couple of days ago, last weekend, you just finished um, your, tell me if I get this wrong, the sixth season of your event called Candy Box, which I just wondered if you could... First of all, congratulations on another successful season of that. And I wondered if you could just, um, for people that don't know or maybe don't live in town that are listening, if you could give like a 30-second um, elevator pitch of what exactly is Candy Box and anything else you'd like to share about that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, Candy Box for me is uh, – a dance festival. So mm -hmm. something that I felt like we were missing in the Twin Cities. And, you know, it offers master classes and then happy hour work in progress showings or even final works for those showings and then featured artist performances that take place. And what I was really interested in, in doing for it was having, you know, really emerging artists um, sharing work uh, as well as you know, all the way up to like really mainstay kind of choreographers and companies in town so that it was a cross pollination of audiences 
and that people were like, oh, I didn't know this existed. So it's it's um, kind of a an assortment. Uh, the joke of it being called candy box is like a box of chocolates, and you know, like you're like picking which ones you like and and discovering new things. Like, oh, I like that, you know, almond nut Nutella <laughs> chocolate or something <laughs> like that. So that that really is where it, it started for me. Um, the opportunity to share just all the great things that are happening here in the Twin Cities and and really expose people to new new stuff that, you know, I know I get to my like aesthetic choices that I'm like, I really like this artist. Mm-hmm. And and then discovering like, oh, I really like this artist as well. And 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 also realizing that you might not like everything they do, but you you're discovering and, and learning about who they are as artists. So you get to see see like the scope of their work. Mm-hmm. Over time, so that really is is really kind of where it started for me, and it you know my uh, kind of I don't know what the term would be, but the way I organize it with my board is is really diversity amongst the artists, mm-hmm. um, aesthetic wise, uh, human wise, mm-hmm. and. Um, and and again a, across that range of emerging to established. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's um, one thing that's really a great opportunity for, well, for anybody at any stage. <clears throat> excuse me, but especially if you, I guess it doesn't even matter if you're an established artist who's used to doing evening length works, but especially if you aren't, and especially these days, you know, after the pandemic, not we're still very much in the pandemic, but the last two years has been such a disruption. And so I think we all feel a little out of practice of how to even make work and present work. And so I love the idea of having shared evenings so that it takes some of the pressure off because maybe you have Mm -hmm. something you want to share, but it's, it's not 40 minutes long. It's, you know, it's 20 or it's 30 or it's 15. And that I just appreciate the, you know, different ways in like that. And that cross-pollination is really cool because it, I think the differences, you know, when you go to a show and you see it's sort of all the same tone, that can be really interesting. If it's something you really enjoy, that can be really satisfying, but it can also be, like you said, it's like going out to dinner and they're out of the thing you thought, you were going to order and then, but they're like, but we have this other thing and maybe you've never tried it and, and you'll, you'll be surprised. I mean, it's how often are we, we genuinely surprised these days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just want to like not acknowledge that. I mean, I came to the show um, on the, I believe of the Friday night and I, you know, obviously you're there. So tell me if I'm missing anything, but you are not only producing this show you're also you know you're curating it so you're choosing the artists and seeking out the artists and you're also putting them on you know arranging like you said having different styles and different you know diverse voices and bodies and trying to sort of curate that um i'm guessing you're also doing all the social media posting because there's like a pretty there's a there's a website to upkeep and social media posts, which is the way most people find out about performances these days. 
Um, you also host it by introducing the show and and physically being on the stage at the at the top of the show. And when I saw you, you were also doing the light board. So <laughs> yeah. So that's just a lot, and I just don't know that everybody who's listening maybe doesn't realize that you know they might assume you have like a whole slate of a crew to do that for you. But mm-hmm. most of us, you know, we're used to literally doing everything and it's a lot of work and it's, um, if you don't, if it goes off smoothly, which it did, you wouldn't even know that all of those jobs are being done. But so uh, congratulations. Cause that's, thank you. That's, thank uh, you. And that's I do, a lot. I have to point out that, you know, I have an amazing, uh, managing director that does the, a lot of the social media because mm-hmm. I can't okay. up with myself. Um, Hunter Batterson mm. uh, doing the graphics and like just on top of the calendar of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, and then I have her support as well in the box office, but then I do become the stage manager. I become, mm. you know, for the happy hour showings, I run the lights and sound, which, you know, maybe some of them are like, really? <laughs> I, I think I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you know, it's, it's, it is just a simple lights up, lights out for the most part. Um, but, you know, there's sound cues and things like yeah. that. It definitely is the thing that makes me the most nervous through the, throughout the festival because I just want to do it right. <laughs> right. And we have like a two-hour window of tech to make it happen. So. I completely can understand that. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I, I'm always so grateful for any tech crew or people that are doing things behind the scenes because that is not where my comfort zone is. <laughs> So it's, it's a kind of a thankless job, but, but you did it, you did it all. So congratulations. So that literally just happened. And um, I always know after a, an event like that, after something you've either performed in or created or produced, um, it's exhausting. And so here you are, you just mentioned you already were in a board meeting. And so you're like right back to work. Um, so that's the present. So you're, you're keeping very busy. Um, the next question I want to ask you is kind of going way, way back in time. And I know that, so just to, to share, um, I know you from going to school at the University of Minnesota in the dance department. Um, I was there in the late 80s and early 90s. And I think, I think you're a couple years younger than me. So I think I remember you coming around the late, maybe 88, 89. Does that sound right to you? 89. 89. Okay. And so I knew just from, you know, meeting you there and being friends with you that you grew up in Illinois. And I just wondered if you could go back to when you were a kid, because I know we've talked about, you know, your experiences dancing, and I feel like you were taking dance classes, but can you just talk about how you started dancing or what your way in was? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I was the kid that was loving Gene Kelly and mm-hmm. jumping on the furniture and um, I was just wanting to dance. But I also, mm-hmm. it's a small town, Round Lake, Illinois. Um, I hid it from my family. <laughs> hid the fact that you danced or that? Yeah, oh, like wow. I, I knew that it wasn't acceptable or something for mm. a boy to be dancing, which is okay. super sad, <laughs> but well, but um, I always was ready for church before the rest of my family for some reason. Okay, and my dad was like 
playing a stereo of like Rod Stewart or the Doobie Brothers or something, <laughs> I uh, I would be dancing my heart out in the living room, and <laughs> all the bedrooms of people getting ready are like down the hall, and if I saw someone like cross the hall or come into the hall, I would like quickly stop and, and just sit still. Like I wasn't doing mm. anything. <laughs> right. Right. In your, um, and you're all dressed up for, for getting ready to go out with your family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I did know that I, I just remembered that I, I took a disco class. Oh my God. Maybe like six or seven. So, <laughs> and I know my mom tried to, to get me in class because my sister took class from, you know, small little suburban dance school. Okay. Um, and I remember trying to like the Billy Elliot story of trying to yes. climb onto this like pew in a box mm. and like slide this wood little window open to watch her class. So I was oh. just obsessed with it. Um, and so my mom put me into a tap class mm-hmm. I think when I was five and the teacher yelled at me because I, I had my tongue sticking out. <laughs> uh, I was trying to like think about things. And she yelled like, you're going to, you know, bite your tongue off or something. And I just was so threatened by that that I quit. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was like, ah. she scared me. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's like, and how old you think you were? Like, I think I was five when I did that. And then yeah, the disco so class maybe around seven or 10 years old, I, which was right up the street. It was our like park board facility mm. was right up the street where I lived. And I was the only student in the class though. Really? Which, <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, what? Little tiny um, Matthew, the only student. <laughs> and there was like these two, you know, it was a, I think it may, it may have been a husband and wife team. I'm not sure, but they were decked out in 70s look as well (laughs) that sounds like a dream i wish there was video of that i would would pay top dollar to see that (laughs) did you love that do you remember oh i absolutely loved it yeah yeah and i watched i mean everything and anything i could watch of gene kelly and fred astaire Mm. gene kelly was my favorite just Mm -hmm. i loved versatility um which i don't know how i realized that as a child but (laughs) yeah i remember you talking about gene kelly like many you know decades ago and just that you know he's so specific because um obviously very fluid and elegant and sort of a relaxed but Mm. also like very athletic you know there's a definite um athleticism to the way that he moves but it's just so appealing i mean it's he just makes it look effortless but you also know it's i don't know it's just i think my introduction to gene kelly unfortunately was much later um in because of the paula abdul video oh yeah where she dances with the cartoon which i learned through like a pbs dance in america special was based on uh anchors away is that right like where he dances with the cartoon mouse or something and yeah and then I remember you talking about him. And, and um, so do you remember watching, like, you must have seen, because obviously this is pre-internet times, you must have seen movies on TV that he was in? or Yeah. And I feel as though it's my grandmother. I, I was mm. very close to my grandmother. Um, 
I feel like I would stay with my grandmother every Friday night, like a sleepover. Okay, okay. And, and watch movies with her. And Aww. there was something about Gene Kelly, his masculinity also appealed to me, which mm-hmm. I think I struggled with, um, um, you know, in the, in the years of the 70s and 80s of sure. being in a small town and realizing I was different. Mm-hmm. And, and growing up very Catholic as well, I was trying to um, avoid that. Right, right. <laughs> I, think. So I was like embracing, like, yeah, he dances, but he's really masculine. You mm-hmm. know, like it, it made it okay or something for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's... So I didn't, I didn't start officially taking dance classes, um, you know, beyond my dancing with my sister in the basement <laughs> uh, <laughs> until high school. I, okay. Yeah. I, um, I entered and it was all because my mom, <laughs> she, mm. I was a very shy person, so I did not talk to anybody. Okay. Anyone ever, <laughs> <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. And my mom uh, put me in a variety. She's like, you should just do this. Your friend Michelle's in it, you know? So okay. I was like, okay. And so I started, I loved it, of course. And mm-hmm. I started learning all the dancing parts, even if I was not in that scene or that role or anything like that. And so all the girls were kind of like, you should come take class. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay. Like it gave me permission. You know, I went to an all boys right. Catholic school. Ah, this was, I don't think uh, I ever knew that. Yeah, it was a mixed, uh, you know, an event where we were with the girls' school. Okay. And and so that I jumped right in too. Then I joined Orcasis, which was like this mm. dance team thing, and I started choreographing in my garage by myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I never performed though with Orcasis in high school. Because, okay. again, I knew that that would be an outing. That would out <laughs> you. Know, you. Or, yeah. 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 So That's, sad, right? <laughs> no, it isn't. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how many people of our, I can think of like other men that I've spoken to who are dancers um, who also happen to be gay, just talking about like those early initial dance impulses and, and that, you know, you were, you knew you were interested in it and you had to be kind of, for some reason you had this, you already had this sense in your body to be like quiet about it and like to not like a secret necessarily, but kind of a secret. And, and um, I think that's, you know, yeah, like today looking through that, it's like, you wouldn't wish that on anybody. You don't want people to feel any kind of shame or, or, be, comp- be, you know, confused about that, uh, even as a very young child, like you want to uh, afford people openness and, and yeah. being feeling good and free in their body and safe and all that. But that just wasn't always the way it was. And I think even if you had felt that there may be, you know, that's a, a lot of factors like the, the um, knowing you were different, going to an all boys Catholic school. That's, you know, it's just like a certain lens. So that I guess that doesn't surprise me, but it's, um, I also just think it's striking because your movement as a choreographer is, is, um, it's not hidden. Like it's, you know, it's Mm. pretty big. It's pretty sweeping. Like it's not, um, it's not like furtive or, or held, 
close. It's, it's, um, it's open and, and wide and very physical and, you know, very Gene Kelly, I think. And so it's just interesting that, that, that that's like was an initial pull. And you, you said, I don't know how I knew, I don't know why, you know, Gene Kelly was interesting to me, but like all of the things that you named, it makes so much sense that like you had questions about masculinity and, and then here was this dancer, that performer that was really charismatic and appealing and yet really strong and, and, you know, attractive to literally everybody, (laughs) no matter what your sexuality is, I think. And um, just that he was like a, a great performer, I think is really a compelling thing. So that's a good, a good model like that. Um, I think I I like hearing that and it makes hmm. me, I feel like so much of my (laughs) learning who I am Mm -hmm. (laughs) to this day, Mm -hmm. always, you know, like that hiding of myself or my identity for so long Mm -hmm. that when I I finally let it out, it was like letting it out, (laughs) you know, like as big, um, as I could, I like, I love eating up space. And I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the opposition of distal ends, you know, you know, from huh. my toe to my crown of my head, you know, like I want to push those edges in space, mm-hmm. push the movement in that way. Um, and maybe that was from so many years of containing it, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's amazing that you, you know, you held on to that and it's like, yeah, it's like this, burst of of uh, expression coming forth and that's you know maybe it wouldn't look like that if you had been in a in a situation at age five where you didn't have to feel like you had to hide it like maybe your movement would look totally different so I mean who knows we'll never know but um (laughs) you I just appreciate that you what you did with that you didn't you know give up on it and you and you kind of stuck to that imagery and stuck to the thing you were curious about. And, um, that says a lot. So well done. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you about what is the, I mean, choreography is a, is a sort of a complicated term, but as what is the earliest thing you remember choreographing? And I don't necessarily mean like as a professional choreographer, but you know, like, did you make up dances when you were little? And what's, the, do you have any remem- memory of what that f- maybe first effort was? <laughs> well, it was in the garage okay. of, of my house after I just started taking more classes and deep diving into every single style. Okay. And it was with a hat and it was to jazz music. <laughs> okay. What song, do you remember what song? I don't. And that's what, uh, is really frustrating me. Mm. But I also was like, you know, learning, I would record VHS tapes of like music videos Mm. that I loved. I would like learn every move like Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and yeah, I, I remember sharing it. Like, this is what's so great is that the orchestras ladies Mm. that it was me. And then all these like 10 females, Mm -hmm. um, and I would, we would practice outside at parks for some mm. reason. And I'd be like, hey, I'm working on this. And I would show them, like, and I was super excited about it. And then they all wanted to learn. Uh-huh. So I was starting to choreograph 
on them as well, you know, in high school as a 16, 17 year old. Um, okay. Yeah. It was just really, I really wish I could remember the name of the jazz piece. Yeah. Uh, I, there was some kind of word with Fox in it, but that's mm. all I've got. Yeah. Cause I know music is, um, really important to you and that's often a place you start with with making something new you know you're maybe not always necessarily but I've I know you've talked about starting from a piece of music and um that's such a great image of you and your girlfriends in the park like (laughs) I just love it I love that you had a hat I wish I could see that but Uh. yeah and that you know that you mentioned the like recording things on VHS tapes. And yeah, that was like the era of, of um, MTV, right? Like the yeah. beginning years of MTV. And I, I have the same associations with, you know, there wasn't much on there. There weren't a whole lot of, you saw kind of the same videos over and over. And I just remember the ones that had dancers in it and it just was mesmerizing. And mm. you would just like, you know, you could like see the title in the corner coming up sometimes before they would, the images would start and you'd be like, yes, it's, uh, it's this video or it's Janet Jackson <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. So exciting. Okay. But yeah. Those, well, my, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say my training is uh, the school, the suburban school that I ended up going to in high school was based off of Gus Giordano. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, my teacher was Vicky Caravelli. Okay. And we were doing switch leaps across the floor or donut jumps and or layouts across the floor. Like it was very uh, showy and uh-huh. um, but amazing. You know, we would have to do like eight. I, we, they, we call them eagle jumps where you do the toe touches. Mm. But we would have to do like eight of those in a row. You mean the toe touches? Say more about that. That Maybe I don't know what you mean. Like the, you would jump and, okay. you know, you would spread your legs out in seconds position and your hands would touch oh, your toes. Oh, okay. Those kind of eagle jumps. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It was all about the tricks. <laughs> yes, yes. Was Gus Giordano, because I had a teacher at the Milwaukee Ballet School who was a jazz teacher who had also studied with him. Was he from Chicago? Yes. He, okay, yes. so that makes sense. That's like a Midwestern star kind of a, yeah. style that that would, that's so cool. Um, well, I'm going to jump now because talking about jazz and and eagle leaps, <laughs> that's not what you <laughs> called them, was it? Um, I just remember, you know, have, having strong images of you dancing, you know, after we'd known each other a while in... Um, in the work of Danny Bercheski when the company Jazz Dance was formed. And I know you were, you know, part of that initial group. And I just had this memory of being at Zoe Seely's house. And it was after, it was like a post-show party. And I was not, you know, dancing in the show. I was had just come to it. Somehow I got invited and and got to be a fly in the wall. But it was after a show and it was kind of Zoe sort of almost passing the torch to Danny and kind of welcoming him to town. And um, I think it was a show at O'Shaughnessy, if I remember right. And then we went to her house in St. Paul. Anyway, I just remember it was before he would work with Xenon. So it was 
you know, pretty early years. I can't really guess what year that was, but um, late eighties, definitely. Um, and I just remember that. I don't know if you remember that exact party that I'm talking about, but, but uh, just that the history that's there with, you know, Danny coming and working here and then working with, with uh, Linda Andrews at Xenon and that wonderful company of jazz dance and how so many dancers here that, that are still dancing also performed in that company. Um, and it was just an exciting, exciting time, but it was also a shift of like new, new people in town kind of thing. And I just thought that was a specific thing, but I remember when you, you know, then you of course formed your own company arena dances. And I believe that was in 95 and I, true confessions, got to be in the initial, I think, performance, which was at the Ordway in maybe 90. Yes. <laughs> oh, you'll know the year before I do, oh, but 90, gosh. I don't think 97. that was 95, 97. Okay. Yeah. Something around there. Um, and I just remember you talking about um, working with Danny and working, I'm getting my timeline a little goofy, but a big influence on your own choreography and your own approach to making dances I know was influenced by Danny and I know it was influenced by your working with him and Kathy Young and and Shapiro and Smith and you know sort of like concert dance was was definitely an influence and so where am I going with this what's my question I guess um that seemed I remember that was important to you. And then when you started premiering your own works that they definitely had that element to them. And can you, I'll stop talking now. Can you say anything more about your, your initial sort of works in your company? And, and um, do you remember, do you feel like a lot has changed since then? Or are you still interested Mm. in similar things? I think, uh, I'll answer that question really quick. I think That's I am interested in, <laughs> in, in all of it in a way still. Like, I think it depends on the work mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where it, it seems right to fit. But yeah, I definitely, you know, I owe so much to Danny for the exposure of getting to tour and having no idea what I was doing on mm. tour. Like, what is mm. this thing, you know? I got to perform at the Joyce like so many times and, mm. and teach at Bates Dance Festival and Jacob's Pillow and huh. and be exposed to so much um, amazing dancers and dances uh, that I, I I definitely came back maybe with a little bit of a, a bigger ego. I'm not sure of, of just wanting <laughs> to be like that here in the Twin Cities. Mm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look back on that that McKnight Ordway performance, you know, because yeah. that was our first concert. And here's this, you know, very first show. That's where we're, we're going to do it at the McKnight. I know. It was so exciting. <laughs> like, I was like, I am such a risk taker. And I don't think of myself <laughs> that way. <laughs> but but um, it, it definitely was, you know, I look back on it going, oh, you're so naive, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> In the best way, though, like, yes. I don't know if I ever would have done it if, if I didn't have that naivete of just like, I'm going to change the world, right. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. so silly, but. Um, no, not at all. But I, I think a lot of great, you know, things happened from that. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, um, 
changed, I continued with one of the works uh, more throughout the years. And in fact, just performed it at our 10th anniversary in 20, 2006 or something. Mm. I can't remember now, but um, yeah, it has stayed in my repertory. Twitch, the um, oh sure, um, yeah, or the life unlived, which yeah. you you were a part of, um, a big part of it. I feel I got to be the like the <clears throat> like a mom character. I think, which was yeah. like yeah, that was great because it was like a different yeah. It gave me like a lot of room to not have to look like everybody else. Cause I don't think I, uh, I'm a good performer, but I'm not the best dancer ever. And that you had such a stellar cast of, of dancers. So it was really, <clears throat> it was really like enlightening for me to get to have like a different, a slightly different twist on, on a performing, which I'd never, yeah, I don't think I'd had that before. Almost like a mm. character. Yeah. Which, yeah. Anyway, that's great. I also, Megan, I have, you're re- helping me remember as well. Like there was a solo that I was creating. You became you became those <clears> girlfriends <throat> in the in the park <laughs> from high school for me. Mm, I mm. really. Uh, so I just have to say a shout out to you with Aww, the, the uh, kind of the uh, fostering of my creativity. Um, you know, encouraging me to to investigate and do things I, I remember improvising or creating this solo and dancing it for you only mm-hmm. in I that. <laughs> and then that became a solo for you it kind of shifted to become that one with the sleeves the sleeves oh my god i i wrote notes about that one too yeah. well thank you so much that that that's really meaningful to me and I, I remember that like you know that's like a vulnerable thing to to share with somebody that you're what you're working on and like what what that is and it's just a strange it's a strange space it's an intimate space and um but it's so rich and that that solo um with the long sleeves I also have to say and this is like mutual appreciation post but um <laughs> I remember working with you and like being in your house or apartment, I don't remember. And with this huge mirror, like in the bathroom and we were trying different makeup on because that, that piece had like really sort of almost like a, I don't know what to call it, but like sort of over exaggerated like eyebrows and, and um, not like Buto at all, but like, something akin to like making your extending like the dimensions of your face like making yeah i think of the mc from cabaret for some Mm, reason sure yeah like a little over the top and a little scary and a little um uh a little wild and that that piece i remembered specifically um it was hard for me to learn the sequence like i was i i always struggle with memorization of the sequence once i have it i have it but the initial learning is tricky and a way that helped me was it was there there was a lot of facial expression and and making your body move in very different sort of exaggerated ways and so my way into that solo was working with you and coming up with like almost a like i don't know different actors or different like famous mm-hmm. people that i could mimic 
And like, I remember there was like football player and then there was um, movie star, like a very vampy, glamorous moment. And then it went right into like what I thought of as John Wayne, like a real angular sort of swagger and not, not really elegant in the same way. And I had all these pictures and like some postcards. And I remember like putting them in order, like almost like flashcards. And that helped me remember the order or that was like oh a gosh. way in and that, that uh, um, interest and kind of curiosity about mimicry. And uh, it's hard to talk about. It's not a character so much, not in the way that it would be in a narrative because I'm not super interested or I, I don't have a way into a, like a telling a story through dance, but it yeah. is like inhab a way of inhabiting a movement quality or like the tone of a body. And that, Anyway, that's I still use that. And that solo was um, like a first step in that. And it, it was just like a super rich experience. So thank you for that and for trusting me with something as important as a solo because that I was very, very nervous. <laughs> well, and I love it because you did that on your own then with the postcards, you know, like that investigation mm. is so that's so cool to hear. And now <laughs> I, I'm remembering it now, but I. I, I also just remember the, you know, the be that beginning solo of me sharing with you in 6A and I was like in a slip dress that was sheer in yes. my underwear. Yes. <laughs> it's like, hi, Megan, I'm going to dance, <laughs> you know, like somewhere there's a video. but There has to be. Like, <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, more of that, more of this, please. <laughs> uh, it was great. It's, yeah, I feel that's, it's like, I feel lucky to witness something like that. And just, just to, I mean, I, that's, that's all kind of, we, we're here to do is to try to foster each other's growth, I guess. And like, you know, yeah. the world, I still don't feel like the world is a safe place for artists. And certainly in the most recent days there, it just feels very dark and heavy in the world mm -hmm. right now. And, um, uh, personal expression is certainly not a priority of, of our culture. So we have to just be resist, resilient and insist that we make space for that, for, for fellow artists. And especially now that we're a little older, like younger artists that, that um, don't have a place for that. That's just so important, I think. So I feel like you're doing that with, you know, candy box and, and in your company and through your work. Um, I guess, well, here's another question for you that I had written down. What, is there something with just some hindsight and, you know, knowing who you are now and your, uh, I guess, what are we mid career? Is that the, the awful <laughs> term they, they use now, but, um, what would you say, to like a young queer dance artist knowing what you know now? Mm. That's a vague question, but like if you had advice or not necessarily about their, but maybe if you had advice, like choreographic advice, if they wanted to be a choreographer or if they're just like figuring out who they are and are maybe feeling a little afraid to be who they are. Do you yeah. have any, any advice Gosh, I, or I, anything I... to share? You know, I think it always is about discovering yourself and your individuality and embracing it. So, mm. you know, 
I remember a long time ago, Gary Peterson, when I was first starting, Gary Peterson's been a huge mentor to me all these mm. years. Um, someone I always can chat with. And one of the first things he said to me is, he, he said, you know, make a lot of work, just make a lot of work, hmm. you know? And so I think that pushed me to just do it. Um, you know, I think many, many listeners might know this already, but I was diagnosed HIV positive when I was uh, 25 years old, which was mm -hmm. right when I started the company. Mm -hmm. And I think that that actually pushed me to start the company because I was like, okay, I, I could die. <laughs> you know, right. You know, like, at that time, um, things were shifting in, in a positive light and way, but it definitely was like, okay, well, I got to get all this out, you know? So, so there's something to that, that, um, I think I would like to pass on is like, yeah, just get it all out. Like hmm. you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, but dream big and, mm -hmm. and see how you can make it happen. Um, you know, I definitely through the years maybe feel a little jaded now <laughs> <laughs> because it's so much work and so challenging to, mm -hmm. you know, how to, I, I right from the get go also insisted on paying my dancers, which mm -hmm. I'm sad to say it, it's very close to what I was paying them in 1995 is what I'm paying them for the hour to this day, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more, but not much yeah, at all. That's so that's just ridiculous. Like the value of what dance brings to the art world, to community, to the world just mm -hmm. is, has always been a struggle here in the U S and, yep. and not appreciated the way it needs to be. Um, anyway, I'm going on. A, a no, tangent. it's, it's totally <laughs> true. It's labor and, and the, it's, yeah, it's like, I keep, thinking about like if any other profession had to write was required to write grants and secure funding and justify what their the importance of their work and why it's why it's necessary and have to articulate that like can you just imagine i mean yeah i don't yeah. know any other job like if dentists had to do that not to pick on dentists but or the police <laughs> if the police had to do that like that's my fantasy of course but like yeah. we have to we have to do so much labor just to get to do the labor. And that's, um, you're right. It hasn't, it hasn't really changed a lot in 30 years, which yeah. is, which is really infuriating, but, um, yeah. I mean, how many more times can we, we show and prove the stats of like what the arts and dance, uh, specifically brings to mm -hmm. a community. Like it's all there mm -hmm. and it's to the point now where I see a grant, and the amount of work that I have to write or, you know, put in for this grant for a $2,000 grant, it's like, is it really even worth it? <laughs> you know, like right. my, my time is more valuable than that little chunk of money, you know, like, and, yeah. and that's not a little chunk because it really, truly like everything, I need everything I can to, to produce and do what, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it becomes this really hard, uh, tug of war with that that world and yeah. and actually like doing the work and making a living trying to do that work mm -hmm. as well yeah being an artist in capitalism is no joke yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. i yeah i mean i've always had another full-time job and um that's yeah that's many people's reality 
Um, you mentioned earlier something about, like, well, you said like the advice was to, you know, make a lot of work and um, just keep keep making a lot of work so that and it, it may not all be successful. And I think sometimes when things aren't successful, that's not initially more helpful, but it, it mm. at least informs you about like, well, I don't want to do that again, or I, I don't <laughs> need to, is there, have there been any, um, I don't know why this is an uncomfortable question to answer. So, but I, I'm putting you on the spot. Like has, was there like a failure or like something that just did not go how you thought it was going to go that, that, um, either as a performer or a, or a choreographer or even in a rehearsal setting or something that that just taught you a, a lot like I feel like there's so much so many <laughs> so many so many you know I I I am very reliant on collaboration with the dancers mm, and mm-hmm. and there's definitely I'm very much about like trying to get to the end product. Like I feel that pressure of, uh, of paying people by the hour as well and, right. and, and getting to the end of something like, and having no idea what that ending is. So we're all working together toward it kind yeah. of a thing. So there's yeah. definitely like, you have to, you know, it has to be the right fit. And, and sometimes every time, every time I do a production, you know, you realize like, oh, that wasn't a good fit. You know, mm, like that's not mm-hmm. what that person wants or needed from from me and vice yeah. versa. You yeah. know, so it's like there, that's always a kind of a, a collaboration or communication or conversation that, that has to happen. Um, and then just myself creatively, mm-hmm. you know, I think I never know what I'm making. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it, it's always snapshots of ideas that I'm trying to jump off from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where it, it seems like it falls together correctly uh, in my mind. Hmm. And, 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 or sometimes I'm like, well, I need to create something that gives the audience an hour and a half of performance to make them feel like mm-hmm. their money is going towards mm-hmm. something again, a value yeah. conversation. But Instead of, so like, I definitely made works that I stretched out mm-hmm, <laughs> knowing mm-hmm. like, oh, this is not right, but, but here I go, you know, like. Like feeling that, that pressure you know, of like, oh, I've yeah. got to, I've got to have this content or else they're going to be disappointed. And yeah. Yeah. So like that kind of, again, speaking to the value of making people feel like my money's worth is fulfilled or you know Mm -hmm. instead of like the true art and the crux of the work um you know i I definitely feel as though i I feel like my work has ranged dramatically Uh through the years i definitely was really about concert dance like you were saying earlier with the music and this big picture and this big space Mm -hmm. and i'm discovering more and more presently the last few years like I'm really taking everything out from the theater Hmm. uh, in what I'm making and what I'm interested in making, which is a whole new thing for me. And I think that came out of a piece that I did in 2012 called the main street project, Mm -hmm. which I would say is a failure. (laughs) You would say that's a failure in my mind. It never, I never got it to the place Ah, where I wanted it to be or Uh communication wise or, 
connection wise with the audience and mm -hmm. with the dancers like things are missing from it got it um, got it it was a little too nostalgic it was a little too mm. like uh we did intergenerational outreach uh with high schools and uh -huh. senior citizens and in different uh spaces wellness centers and things got it which was really i loved that like i loved that connection and hearing stories of the of them not having a tv and like all of a sudden it was about tv so it was huh. looking into technology and then the dying of main street of where people are not you know walking down the street and looking at your phone and mm. not engaging and saying hello uh, as you pass by mm -hmm. um but I don't, I don't, I never successfully got that to the stage. Hmm. You know, I, I think yeah. there was some great dancing and, and things and like topics were brought up, but I don't, I don't know if there was ne necessarily a, a follow through of, of something. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. That makes sense. No, it does. I mean, and it's like, I remember that piece having, um, you toured it too, didn't you? And, or a maybe lot. that, yeah, like it's so funny that, that, uh, yeah, sometimes it's like it takes on a life of its own and you're like, okay, like, but I mean, of who's going to turn down, you know, somebody else producing your work? Like, of course you're going to take that, take that tour. And of course you're yeah. going to try to do that. And it's just interesting that sometimes the, the lesser satisfying pieces are, are what, um, yeah, I don't know. I can understand yeah. that, like, uh, to what is the word I'm trying to come up, but like, that's a success. That's the success perhaps in like the eyes of maybe you're bored or, or you're if on paper, if you looked at like how many times you performed that compared to a different piece, but maybe that's not the one that, that really like spoke to you or you look back at it and you're like, Oh yeah, I wish I'd done it differently. Or I wish I, yeah. I didn't yeah. quite nail that. And it's just so interesting. It's such a. Well, and, and it was my first and only national dance production. Mm. So I received funding from NIFA for that. Oh, okay. Which is amazing. And, yes. you know, the residency kind of preparation of, of doing things to get ready for it and all that intergenerational outreach. I think that is what drew people to it. Sure. Yeah. The importance of that, which I, I can totally see. But but I I couldn't get to the final artwork that mm -hmm. again, that I felt like it could have achieved, and I yeah. still don't know the answer to it. Whenever the Main Street project comes up to me, there's a little cringe in my soul <laughs> about <laughs> about like oh like, yeah uh... <laughs> I missed that one <laughs> yeah, but I mean I think that's like again a failure. I I think those like are such good teachers because. I mean, that just tells me that like, even though that piece has had success and, and that, but that every time you think about it, it still like has that twinge of like, oh, I didn't quite, oh, it's not really me or that's not, I mean, I think that's what makes you a good artist is if, if you were satisfied with that, you're like, well, people like it. It's great. You know, like, <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but I heard that, you know, like, um, why am I blanking on his name? Alec Guinness, who played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars movies, which is where I know him from. You know, of course, he's like a famous stage theater actor. And like he played this movie role, which 
I think he was kind of embarrassed about. And, but of course that's what many, many, many people know him as, but he's just like, <laughs> good God, I was a respected actor in the theater. And, um, but that's his sort of legend, <laughs> but there's something, something similar about that, that like, just because it's popular, it doesn't mean that you have to be, it can be both. It can be something that people want to see. And also you don't have to be totally enamored with it. And that that tug is still there and it's still like poking at you. It's just like, I don't know. I think that's just your brain as an artist trying to make it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like from that experience, I definitely, I feel like I've learned, like, make the art you want to make, Matthew. Mm. Like, Mm. you kind of uh, zeroed in on that for me. Mm -hmm. And I could bring up another example, a piece that I love, actually, that... Mm -hmm maybe it was too long needed editing mm. which speaks to you know uh the walker art center commissioning me for uh the piece ugly in 2007 with oh, yeah. uh, the amazing composer that i can't believe he <laughs> was like yeah i'll work with you and he was so generous with his time and you know understanding like the financial strains of things he he constantly came through like he didn't Mm. he didn't have that hold him back um from making the work and and I do you know I I look back on that piece with such uh there was such a great group of dancers I had so many amazing dancers for many years you know it was a pickup Mm -hmm. kind of situation always you know we call ourselves a company but it has always been a pickup kind of thing and and I had these dancers that were with me for like seven to ten years some mm-hmm. of them and when when I produced that work at the walker it was just um you know I, I I just I wanted to fulfill that time frame again or the pressure of like I'm at the walker you know right. like it, right I put that into my brain instead of again the art and even though I was I'm really happy with what I created mm-hmm. it needed it needs some reshuffling and and uh, editing, hmm. but there's hmm. so much movement. I had two years to create it, um, which yeah, that's was a long time. it was so great though. Like I, I never, I I always was producing performances. Like I was doing a fall season and a spring season somehow. Yeah, you know, for so many years, and that just got to me as mm-hmm. well. Like like I don't need to do that. I need to take care of myself, and mm-hmm. I need to. You know, I, I felt like I was like pushing work out just to get the work out and not uh, fulfilling the like what. OK, this is what I really am like interested in and wanting to do kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes any sense. No, so. it totally does. Like like I mean, that's a lot of pressure to have a commission like that. And I mean, that's uh, yeah, it's like easy to. Of course. And of course, you know, that was. 2007 you said yeah that's a long time ago now so it's like um you know a lot more now and you've lived more life now (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um, again continuing the journey always yeah yeah I mean um I wanted to ask if do you have I mean my impression I, I tell me how you what is your typical process are you someone that when you're making a new work, do you go in a studio? Do you need to be in a studio 
like maybe with a piece of music, maybe with it's a certain group of dancers. Um, and do you start making like phrase work or how, how do you, is that your, what's your usual approach to choreography? Yeah. I feel like it's shifted. Mm. You know, I feel like when, when you were dancing with me and the beginning of the company, I felt like I was really trying to make all the movement Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as mu- as mu- much as I could I definitely was like welcoming to to input but mm-hmm. it definitely was more driven by this is the phrase this is the material mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna mm-hmm. go here and through the years that has become it's been stripped away and more collaborative and um so that has really shifted I still usually come in with a phrase or two Okay. But then from those phrases, I, I definitely have the dancers go off and work on their own and then piece them together mm. uh, kind of through that way. Like I have to say One Room, which uh, was a women's sextet in 2019. In the yes. fall of 2019. Red I, costumes. I, yeah. Yes. I just loved that whole process, hmm. the dancers themselves were so giving. Um, and I think the whole performance <laughs> was based upon like one phrase. That, wow. And I just split away. Um, a lot of, a lot of that process I was, so I created the trio. Okay. These amazing dancers at Tofty. Um, hmm. That trio was performed in 2018 and then, that's when I was like, I want to make this a women's sextet and expand upon it and make it a full evening work. And working with Nils from music um, and Colin Stetson music, I'm I'm a choreographer that goes down rabbit rabbit holes with music. Mm. So mm-hmm. that so I have the like these files and files of music, and then we I just play them well in in the studio with the mm-hmm. dancer, mm-hmm. and it's like what sticks sticks, and then I go further with it. Um, but the collaboration process with those six dancers, I was, uh, somewhat, uh, I, I was diagnosed with leukemia, um, mm-hmm. in, in that time frame, And so I, I literally could barely get myself to the studio mm-hmm. and I would sit in a chair the entire time. Wow. And these dancers were all just so present and so giving of their themselves um, to the process and to like trying new things. Like I literally was directing things just by communication and voice mm-hmm. than physically, um, which was just, I mean, such a new thing for me that I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I can do this can in do this way. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it really... Uh, I was always interested in getting the dancers, uh, like challenging them, but also encouraging them and letting them shine with the things that they're really amazing at kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like that kind of inspired me within that timeframe as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm going down a tangent now, but that process is never, yeah. The process is, has always kind of, I think evolved within the piece itself, you know, the recent thermal work mm-hmm. that I did, I, I really wanted to strip my power completely away hmm. as, as best I could, which is really hard when you're like the person right. 
like leading the thing. Um, but like Jose A. Luis did an amazing solo, uh, you know, again, based off of a phrase that I shared in front of him and he just improvised um, off of that. And then we built it together, you know, Dustin Haug, who's been with me for nine years now, mm-hmm. I just would be like, do whatever you want, Dustin, because <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just feeds my creative heart so much and has that such positivity and mm-hmm. energy and, and uh, ability to just like move and mm-hmm. and keep it fresh every time, too. So like I tend I, I'm very much a, a set kind of person so like you might be improvising but then we need to set it kind of a thing got it you want there's like a right answer to that yeah but but that also too is getting played with and Hmm. uh, opening up as well like I feel like Jose really every night you know performed that solo and I would be like is that my choreography (laughs) you know (laughs) and and, and in a great way Uh because he was so he was so honest and vulnerable within it and you know, I would say the same for all three of those dancers. So again, I more of my evolution, perhaps in understanding the process of what I'm trying to get at. And I feel like the topic of climate change for that work, mm. you know, was I, it really had to be individualized, you know, each person's kind of emotional connection to it. Yeah. So. I'm so glad you brought up that the one room piece, because I couldn't, catch the name of it, but I had actually wanted to mention that piece because I remember, well, I saw that piece and I remember um, you telling me that, you know, you had talk about like a disruption to what your normal Mm -hmm. process is. Um, You had been in the hospital and you had essentially like choreographed the phrase you're talking about, like in bed. I remember you telling me that. And then, and I was like kind of nervous to go to it because I was like, Mm. is this going to be really sad? Like, like, (laughs) is this, I mean, not sad, like just, I don't know. uh, It's so complicated. I mean, that it's such intimate, it's such an intimate space. And I have to say like that, just knowing that, you know, I'm guessing not everybody in the theater knew that watching that piece that that you're, you know, you were like recovering from an illness and it of course disrupted your, what would normally be your, your choreographic process and collaborative process. And um, it was just so like lush and, and languid. And like, I remember the lighting was kind of dim and it was very intimate. And, and I knew you were like not feeling well and yet you were, all over that piece. Like I, you know, it was your work still very, very clearly to me, but it was on these different bodies. And um, I don't know, it was a really, it it felt very different. It felt like a departure, um, Mm. which then, you know, knowing a little bit more about the background of it, like, of course it was, but I just think that's, I just want to, I guess, acknowledge that, that um, of course your process changes over the years, but um we all kind of get stuck in our habits of what works mm. for us. And then when it's, when there's a disruption like that, um, it can be so powerful because yet you still found, not that you have to produce work. Like, I don't mean that kind of pressure, but 
um, I think you probably couldn't, couldn't help it. <laughs> like you, you, it just came out of you anyway, and you just found a different way to make it work. And, and, um, yeah, so I just, I, I didn't remember the name of that piece and I knew it was pre pandemic and I knew it was at the tech box or that's, that's my memory. Of yeah, that. so yeah. I'm glad you it's brought a- that up cause I, I wanted to. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, you know, Tori Casagranda would visit me in the hospital and mm. I was on so many meds <laughs> that, yeah. but my visual uh, land of dreamscapes and like were so strong within that, the, yeah. the medications I was on that I was like having to get it out. And also the downtime, you know, I always Ugh. had five jobs that I was like running between right. and making things happen that it was like, I had all this time to read and really listen to music more and like truly be an artist in a way. So mm-hmm. that in a, in a weird way, it opened up my mind of like, yeah, give yourself this, you know, take that mm-hmm. time that you need. And um, one room was really about the dancers. Uh, you know, it was Trump uh, becoming uh-huh. president and, and all this like, conflict of voices you know from different sides of space and wanting people to just come together into one room and that Mm -hmm. that's how it you know like can we talk can we have these conversations that might be challenging um and making negotiations within space as dancers themselves so it really had like this nice i think starting point for the work itself Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah like such an antidote to that time like such a uh like yeah it felt like um when you would make forts when you were little like with blankets over like the kitchen table or something and just like that intimate sort Mm. of space like that that it was like the you knew the world was out there but you're gonna resist that for a while not like a in a fan fantasy kind of way but just carving out and creating that like really precious intimate space that where you can connect it very much felt like a way to connect with the audience yeah. deeply hmm. again i just have to shout out to the dancers because that i'm mm-hmm. i feel like as a a person that's making these dances or making these productions that i'm interested in and excited about it mm-hmm. i really uh, rely so heavily on their their abilities and input and you know so so grateful for for their craft and their willingness to kind of go on this like unknown (laughs) journey you know every time so yeah i mean that's like that's a an intense thing to it's also like a heavy responsibility as a dancer to to sort of be that not symbol but like knowing that you know you're you're ill and in the process of recovering and that's like a complicated you're like a spokesperson for for that voice that that you know isn't how they normally speak i'm mm-hmm. using way too many metaphors but um yeah the dancers were were exquisite in that i remember and as they always are yeah dancers yeah. are amazing they're they're, <laughs> they're, my, really, yeah. they're my favorite they're beautiful people in the world they really are i really <laughs> yeah. feel strongly about that and i just think they're so adaptive and and constantly recalibrating and it doesn't surprise me at all even though the last two years have been so brutal to our 
field, um, it's not surprising to me that so many dance artists are still either finding ways to do what they do or just finding different ways to be in the world or becoming caregivers or healthcare workers or just, I don't know, contributing and, and taking care of people and um, being really radical in their politics and speaking up. I just value that so much. So it's, mm. it's not, not that everybody's thriving. I mean, come on, nobody's thriving right <laughs> now, but, but um, yeah, I'm just proud of, of dance artists in particular, all artists, but dance artists in particular. Cause yeah, we're scrappy. They're scrappy as hell. And, <laughs> and uh, speaking of scrappy, I want to ask you one other big question. Um, I love hearing about other jobs that people have had while they are also doing this other important artwork. Um, and I remember you working at at least, I remember you doing catering and I remember you, did you work at Pam Sherman's bakery, which was on Hennepin Avenue in Uptown? No. No. Did you, you worked at like a design store, like a furniture? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Go store. home. Go home. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've had so many jobs. <laughs> you had I remember you always having a lot of jobs. Like did you work at Heartbreaker Clothing? Maybe. Yes. yes. That was in college, yeah. Yes. I remember visiting you uh when it was at St. Anthony, Maine. Is that possible? Or River Place when it was in that Oh maybe. They just opened there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've yeah, so many jobs. Cleaning buildings that I lived in, mm. serving, catering, um, Gosh, I fortunately a, a donor of Arena Dances uh -huh. uh, was an architect, and he's like, I could use some help. Mm. So he hired me, and I it really was kind of like I was do whatever he would ask, kind of a thing. But I uh -huh. ended up like putting in all of his expenses and becoming kind of his personal accountant, which oh, is wow, like really funny to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why is that also, funny like, to you? Just well. I, I love data entry, so I, yeah. I could get into that, but just that someone's trusting me to like put their taxes together. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Things like that. But, you know, and he didn't have that much work for me. So then I, he got me another gig with a furniture rep in town, like just amazing humans that were like, that huh. we need to support him as an artist. Oh. And, you know, so it was my own schedule. I, I would get things done for them, you know, whenever they needed things done but it was like a full-time kind of like I worked here for five hours or there for five you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah just so many so many gigs like that where yeah you know, making the money to make make the art <laughs> <laughs> making the money yeah I remember you having a lot of jobs because I always had a lot of jobs and it's just <laughs> everybody like scrapping it together trying to do that but I, I just always think that's so interesting to hear what people have done for work because it often, um, even if they don't do that anymore, it just often uh, is so informative about who they are as a person and their experiences mm. they've had and, you know, whether they're like all service jobs. Like, I just feel like that shows up in our work as artists. And yeah. I just yeah. like hearing about all the, the messy, complicated jobs that people have had because it's so character building i think as yeah as, as you find your voice but 
Well, I'm for hire now. So okay, great. <laughs> Anybody out there? <laughs> Everyone hear that? He's for hire. I, I need to. Uh, <laughs> I need, I'm in that place uh, again in my life. You know, after yeah. having uh, getting over leukemia, being in remission with that, mm-hmm. uh, it's been nice because I've been able to focus my energies on arena and growing yeah. arena and what we're capable of doing. But it, it's also like, okay, I need to make some money here. <laughs> So, daddy's got to work. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm actually thinking about calling a company called uh, Home Daddy. <laughs> Home Daddy. Okay. Oh, it's funny you said daddy. But anyway. <laughs> um, I want to ask you if there is uh, anything that I, I mean, I could talk to you for weeks, but is there anything <laughs> that you were hoping to be asked and didn't get asked? Hmm. I think you did amazing, Megan. Oh, God, and, thank you. Yeah, I just, it's funny how these all of a sudden feel short to me. And I'm they like, do. oh, um, because there's so many people that I have grown so much from and learned from and have been challenged by, you know, I think you mentioned Danny Bercheski, Kathy Young, you know, Beth Corning, all the all the people that I, Robin Steam that I got to dance mm-hmm, with. And, mm-hmm. Perrin Smith and those experiences, and then also all the dancers through the years, um, you know, just such, they make such an impression on me and imprint in my life that I I just, you know, I stand on many shoulders or I don't know how that statement Mm -hmm. is said, but, but just that, uh, you know, I'm so appreciative of all of the opportunities I've been given and the challenges that have faced me to, to put into my work and bring back to the community and this history that is so rich here with the dance community itself. Um, you know, doing studio stories, I learn so much and I'm, I'm just so in awe of, of every artist of how we are making it happen. Right. You know, so and I, history, I, like it's just such a wild concept because it, you know, you think of it as history and then you get to be a certain age and you're like, oh, wait, I am history. Like, <laughs> when did that happen? Like, like something, you know, only certain people know about certain things because that's who's left and that they were there. And I mean, I just, that's, it's such a strange, um, like perception shift of, you know, when you were younger, you heard older people saying how fast life goes and mm. you don't understand it because it's irrelevant to you at the time and then you get a little a little or a few decades later and you're like oh i i see what they were saying i understand that but yeah yeah totally like new generations <laughs> coming up but but yeah the the history of the performance world in the twin cities is just such a i love that it is like I love that you're doing this project because it's um, there is such a like a verbal history that needs to be passed down that way that you know isn't gonna ever exist just on Instagram and you know it's it's up to us to kind of remember those things and and name them and talk about them so that they don't get lost. Yeah, we have to know our history at the yeah. community, I think, to to really embrace it and uh, keep moving it forward so yeah well Matthew I'm I just I love you and I'm I'm so grateful to get to 
talk with you in this time today. And I appreciate your artistic voice and what you bring to the community. And I'm just glad you're around and <laughs> <laughs> glad to call you a friend. Me too, Megan. Thank you so much. I love you. And thank you so much for doing this you're for me so, as well. You're so welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Next week, we hear from Philip Byther, the Walker Arts Center's Senior Curator of Performing Arts. 